Long time no see, friends. Hello. Hi there. I'm Corey. I'm Holly. And thank you for being patient with our technical difficulties. Mm. Um, yeah, so this episode is supposed to come out last week, um, but I had some computer troubles, which my computer is the one that everything is recorded to and edited on, uploaded with. So when I'm down, it's a little tricky. Um, and this is actually the second time we've tried recording this episode because the recording just didn't save. Technical issues abound. Right? That's fun. Um, so welcome to Sister Strange. If you're new here. Hello. Hello. Do you have any business to attend to? I forget. I do not. I do not have any business. I don't think I did either. It's a business-free zone. Still in the middle of a pandemic. That's what it was. Yeah, still in the middle of a pandemic, so please wear your masks correctly. Mm-hmm. Over your nose and your mouth. Yep. And and don't go anywhere unless you absolutely have to. I don't care if the states are opening back up. All of the states that are fully open are going through a second spike. Stay yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, black lives still matter. Yep. And the police force should be defunded. Yep. That's our, uh... So, this is sort of a Holly's Choice episode. Yes. Um, I know what Holly's doing, and she knows now what I'm doing, because, again, this is the second time we've done this. Um, and why don't you explain why you wanted to do this so badly? So while I was researching the Phoenix Light episode, watching the BuzzFeed video on YouTube, um, I got a, like I was going through the comments and I found a comment that said, you guys should do the plague that hit Fran- medieval France and killed a lot of people f- by dancing to death. And my ADHD brain was just like, excuse me, please tell me more. Come again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I just went down this amazing rabbit hole of what this thing is and it actually happening. And I was up to like two in the morning. <laughs> but I don't know. It just caught my interest interest so much because there's no real like solidified explanation behind it right so let's get started all right i am doing the dancing plague of 1518 parentheses it's time for francie to get dancy (laughs) oh i want that on a shirt my apologies france oh my god Oh my god, my brain just did it to a uh, tune of Aqua's Barbie Eagle. Oh. Come on, Francie, let's get dancy. Ah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in July 1518, a woman named Frau Trophia took to the streets in Strasbourg, a free city in the Holy Rome Empire, what is now modern-day France, and started to twist, twirl, and violently shake. Was As she twerking? She was not twerking. I mean, there could have been some medieval form of twerk, but 
there is no accounts of mid thrown it back in 1518. No. <laughs> <laughs> As the woman danced in the street, there was no music and the expression on her face was blank. She danced for about a week before she perished, but in that time more than 30 people were in the streets with the same affliction. The epidemic continued through July and by August some 400 residents were aff affected. All of the, quote, dancers were doing so unwillingly and would cry out in pain and beg for mercy. Though men, women, and children were all affected, it seemed to have a larger effect on women. The local authorities, not knowing how to handle this epidemic, did what they thought would be the best course of action. Build a stage and hire musicians to encourage the dancers to keep moving. Yeah, let's get crunk. <laughs> The theory behind this was that having the afflicted dance day and night would tire them out and they would be able to recover. This was not the case, however. Many died from heart attacks, stroke, and exhaustion. As quickly as this plague came, it vanished just as fast. By mid-September, the plague had completely vanished. That's what? Three months? Four months? A little under three months. So the big question here is what caused the dancing plague in the first place? Many think that the rye they were using to make bread was contaminated with ergot, a type of fungus that attacks cereal grains like barley, rye, things like that. When ingested, ergot can act as a hallucinogen and cause odd behavior and in some more extreme cases, seizures. Others thought it to be a case of mass hysteria and some historians even claim it being a heretic cult. Though so there's... Okay, so <laughs> drugs or cult? There's little evidence to support this, though. I mean, I'm, my vote is probably for cult. 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 Hashtag it's cult. It's a cult. It, it's a cult. It's a cult. Call your dad. Congratulations. <laughs> the bouncing baby cult. Medical experts at the time contributed the odd behavior to hot blood or demonic possessions. Again, cult. But no experts have a definitive answer as to what caused the plague or what even it was. Like, what sy systems it affected, um, whether it be neurological or muscular, they don't know. Well, this is also the time, this is like predating the time when, you know, leeches were an answer. Mm. Leeches are still an answer, actually. Um, well, well, leeches aren't as popular of an answer. Leeches have sort of fallen out of vogue, yes. as it were. However, in certain, even in first world countries, um, leeches are still used to help with uh, areas that have pooling blood, um, like in the legs if someone's been bedridden for a long period of time. And if you're like a crunchy granola Karen. You mm -hmm. probably use leeches. I mean, probably. maggots are also still used. Oh, yeah. Well, clean maggots out. make sense. Yeah. I mean, leeches kind of make sense because it's Cause a better way than, like, just slicing open the leg and letting it drain. Do a little poke. Well, yeah. Well, boop. Like I said, maggots I get. Maggots make sense. Um, maggots are used a lot in, like, burn victims because it's mm -hmm. It's clean. It's cleaner and it's gentler on... um. On really sensitive wounds and things like that. So, like, while the visuals kind of, like... It's very... It's very... Um, but it's it's effective. Very Maggots effective. are good. Maggots are good. Maggots do what they do well. Mm-hmm. A-plus maggots. Employee of the month. Mm-hmm. 
get a little plaque. <laughs> Just a little maggot on it. Did a little maggot with a tie. <laughs> Ethan, get on that. <laughs> I will let him know. Business maggot. Business maggot, employee of the month. Make a note. Keep an oh. eye out for business maggot on our Instagram, you guys. <laughs> business that maggot would be a great shirt. The business maggot. Oh, business ha- maggot on the pocket. Yep. Yeah. Or like one of the little pull down pockets. There he is, yeah, just hanging out. Um, so what's really neat about this is that it's not the first case of su- a supposed dancing plague. There have been several accounts across Europe throughout medieval times. One such account took place in an abbey in Switzerland, where a group of nuns started to flail and act like animals. However, this event took place a hundred years prior to the 1518 plague. So. Swiss nuns in the 1400s were just getting down, right? Um, the accounts for the nuns at the Abbey, it was more animalistic than, like, the flailing, twirling, twisting, what we saw in France. So so that was probably, they were, they, was that more widely attributed to more, like, demonic possessions, burning the whole Abbey down? Oh, okay. Um, though there were many... the devil, you know, (laughs) Situation. Though there were many dancing plagues across Europe, this one is by far the largest and most well-recorded. The 1518 one? Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, I feel like most people who sort of run in our, our spooky weird circle have heard of the, the dancing plague. Except me, I live under a rock, and I didn't hear about it until I was researching aliens which hashtag that's my vote for all of this <laughs> aliens aliens um, new ancient alien meme mm-hmm. dancing plague attributed to aliens, aliens. nothing but that's the hand motion too the, the like open palm point mm-hmm. aliens. um but there have been more recent cases of something very similar in fact in a area in mississippi In 1976, there was a small group that had symptoms and were acting like the residents during the 1518 plague. However, Holly, hmm? disco plague, disco plague, (laughs) disco plague. (laughs) Guys, just for full disclosure, I slept like three hours last night, so I'm a little loopy. So I have no idea what's actually coming out of my face if it's not in my script today. Disco plague. Disco plague. But yeah, disco plague. Um, however, that one was attributed to some kind of a hallucinogen in the surrounding area. Disco plague. Disco plague. And it only sure. lasted a couple days. But, like I said, the fact that they don't know what caused this plague or what systems it affected specifically is just, and I know it's 1518, but literally 502 years ago. But with all of the like technology that we have and how we can be like, Oh, what they thought was the sweating plague of Tudor England was actually just mass hysteria. Um, like all right. of that 
just kind of blows my mind. Well, here's the thing, too. Outside of the Mississippi, uh, was that 1977? 76. 76. Happy birthday, America. Um, outside of that incident, we haven't seen anything like that that we know of, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't – I mean, it doesn't surprise – it surprises me, but doesn't surprise me. So it's like we don't have anything else to compare it to. Mm-hmm. But it's also sort of surprising that something hasn't been discovered in that time period that we're like, oh, wait, light bulb moment. This makes sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Because we're discovering so much about everything. You know, the, the Dark Ages and the medieval renaissance, which I know is a very wide, wide, broad time span. That's like several hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're discovering so much about the past that it doesn't really it, it does surprise me a little bit that it that we don't have some sort of reference point. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Um what do you think it was? Oh boy, probably drugs. Probably ergot. Probably ergot or some similar situation. Um I, I would agree that it was some sort of probably some sort of I'm not a doctor. I don't know why I'm I'm sound like the authority on that. Not a doctor. doctor. I don't even (laughs) play one on TV. You lied. Sorry. I'm sad now. Sorry. Um, but that makes the most sense to me. Um, and if that's the case, then you can just remember that the town built a stage and hired a band and sort of mocked these people who were going through like tripping balls. Francie got dancy. Francie got real dancy and got real weird. Got real weird, got real dancy. Um, my vote is for Ergot plus Mass Hysteria. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mass Hysteria is responsible for a lot of weirdness. Mm-hmm. Um, hashtag Salem Witch twi- Trials. Right. Whether that, was, I, that was also teenage girls being awful. Well, whether it be teenage girls or there's a, even an Ergot theory for that, um, either one. It just sets off the motion for mass, mass hysteria. hysteria. Right. It's like I don't that. mean to say. Like, I just realized what I said. Teenage girls aren't awful, but teenage girls have some pretty awful behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, by all accounts, the girls who started Salem were bored. Yep. And they wanted to stir up some trouble. Yep. So teenage girls kind of are the worst bored teenage girls girls the worst and i can say that because i work with kids i work with like middle schoolers so like preteens there is nothing worse than a like a seventh grade girl now my seventh grade girls largely good but i had a girl who bit someone once yeah that was the thing wasn't it yeah she was sixth grade she was only like 11 so like teenage and preteen girls they are a breed unto themselves i was one once many moons ago Mm. Um, but they are a special, special breed. So yeah, I, I hallucinogenic something or other. Whether it was intentional, when someone like actively went after this like wheat fungus and was like, I'm gonna have a real great time. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the town was like, What is going on? You can't see me in my <laughs> dance moves. Um. But like especially like the way I see it, especially like the teenagers and children of that time, 
they imitate children especially imitate their parents mimicry is such a thing mm-hmm. yeah so i would not be surprised if little tina saw mommy get jiggy with it and <laughs> i don't think a, a child in the 1500s in france would be named tina but go off i guess Tina's mom was getting jiggy and he was like, okay, sure. Yep. Go back for a real one. Yep. I'm crying. <laughs> Three hours of sleep, you guys. Three hours of sleep. Imagine if we were toasted. Ooh, oh, that's a thought. We did say that yesterday when we yeah. were. Yeah. Maybe that'll be. We'll touch back. We'll touch base on that again, because I just remembered some other stuff we have to talk about before we end the episode. Yeah. My sources are History.com, Britannica.com, HistoricMysteries.com, and PastMedicalHistories.co.uk. Oh, I love Encyclopedia Britannica. So underused. Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica is the, like, it's like Wikipedia, but solid. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm all for, like, crowdsourcing information. Encyclopedia Britannica is pretty, pretty solid as a resource. Use Encyclopedia Britannica, you guys. Yes. But yeah, that's the uh, Dancing Plague of 1518. That was. Or the time when France got dancy. Or the time where Francie got dancy. I love that. I do. I want. I want that on a shirt. All right. I own a cricket joy now, so I could theoretically make that happen. Same thing with. Business maggot. Mm-hmm, business maggot. <laughs> I don't don't do the mm, donuts voice with business maggot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maggot. Mm. What are you, an anteater? Mmm, <laughs> protein. <laughs> hey, oh. eating insects would solve a lot of problems. I'm just well, thrown. it's actually a thing. Um, I know. Oh, entomophagia. I think is, is the practice of eating ants. I might, that may not be the exact word, but it's something along those lines. Um, and Emmy from Emmy made actually does bug miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she, I don't know if she did it last year. I don't remember. And I can't be bothered to pull up YouTube right now. Um, but she does bug miss where for like five, the five, five days leading up to Christmas, she'll eat a different insect because okay. entomophagia is it's, the main source of protein for a lot of a lot of countries um or it holds some sort of ritual sense um and i love emmy have you watched anything by emmy made yes yes emmy's the coolest yes, i have um like i want to be emmy's best friend i want to have a lot of best friends um so yeah it's 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 there's a lot of nuance to eating insects so I say don't do the mmm donuts, just but but just because it's business maggot. He's he's climbing the corporate ladder, doing he his. He is. Best. He absolutely is. <laughs> oh, like boy. once he metamorphosizes into business fly, that's kind of gonna bring him to that next level, right? He's gonna mm, crush the glass ceiling for maggots everywhere. Mm-hmm. Bless. <laughs> So you're familiar with the Mütter Museum, yeah? Yes. So the Mütter Museum is, yeah. So, and again, we'll touch base on this again. So if you want to find out how you can help us take a trip to Philadelphia to visit the Mütter Museum, 
hang in there till the end of the episode because have we got news for you. So the Mütter Museum is home to one of the world's largest medical collections. It's a teaching tool for both physicians and the general public, morbid as it is, and gives a thorough look into the human body. Permanent exhibits include slices of Albert Einstein's brain, a plaster cast of Siamese twins Chang and Eng, the tallest skeleton on display in the North American continent, the cancerous tumor removed from President Grover Cleveland's hard palate, tissue samples from assassins John Wilkes Booth and Charlie Gateau, the Chevalier Jackson collection, which is over 2,000 foreign objects swallowed and removed from patients, and countless others. Among those permanent exhibits helping to teach are a pair of donated skeletons belonging to Harry Eastlack and Carol Orzel. Their skeletal remains are covered in stringy growths, and because of these growths, require no wire to hold them together. Eastlack and Orzel had fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva, better known as FOP, or Stone Man disease. My sources are Wikipedia, a National Geographic article by Jen Pinkowski, NORD, or the National Organization for Rare Disorders, the Mütter Museum, a MütterMuseum.org article from 2019, and a YouTube video from NBC10 Philadelphia titled, Woman's Final Wish Was to Display Her Skeleton at Philly Museum. Fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva is an incredibly rare connective tissue disease with the distinction of being the only known medical condition in which one organ or organ system actually turns into something else. Muscles, tendons, and ligaments turn into bone. It's a genetic mutation of the ACVR1 gene. ACVR1 is a protein on the second chromosome, which is responsible for skeletal development and growth. What this means for people with FOP is that soft tissue ossifies or turns into bone, joints lock, and movement is impeded. The first sign of FOP crops up in newborns. They're often born with deformed big toes. This can be an absence of an entire joint or a lump at that first joint. Sometimes the big toe deformity is accompanied by a malformed thumb. Occasionally, FOP is misdiagnosed as fibrosis or cancer. The bone biopsies to diagnose cancer, then trigger their transition of soft tissue into bone. The first ossification flare-up generally occurs around age 10. Bone growth starts at the top of the head and works its way down, just as the skeleton develops in fetuses. Additional bones develop in the neck, then down the shoulders, arms, chest, and ending at the feet. The joints can suffer significantly from flare-ups. FOP patients often lose the ability to walk, breathe freely, speak, and eat normally. The average lifespan of a person with FOP is approximately 40 years old. Let's talk about the specimens at the Mütter Museum. While fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva has been recognized in some form since the 17th century, then it was called myositis ossificans progressiva as it was believed that only the muscles ossified, the most notable case is that of Harry Eastlack Jr. in the 1900s. Eastlack was born in Philadelphia in 1933. At four years old, while playing with his sister, his left leg was struck by a car. This accident was the trigger for Eastlack's first FOP flare-up. The fracture never set properly, and x-rays later showed bony growth on his thigh muscles. In this first year, Eastlack underwent 11 procedures, and in 1937 was officially diagnosed with FOP. By 15, his jaw became fused, and he could no longer eat solid food or speak freely. He also had severe mobility issues in his youth. His hips were the first to be completely immobilized. Because of this, 
a seat in the seventh row of the Hamilton Theater in Philadelphia was reserved specifically for Eastlack as it had the most room for his immobile leg. By the time he was 20, his condition became so severe and his mother was no longer able to care for him. So he was admitted to the Inglis House for the incurables. His time at the Inglis House was no easier. He was able to shuffle from place to place with the aid of a cane. His right leg broke, healed at an odd angle, and and Eastlack spent much of his time bedridden. He developed pneumonia, but due to the ossification of his ribs, he couldn't cough. On November 11th, 1973, Harry Eastlack Jr. passed away just shy of his 40th birthday. His body and medical records were donated, and his remains were put on display at the Mutter Museum. It's because of Eastlack's donation that the specific gene responsible for the condition was identified in 2006. In October of 1995, 43 families attended a two-day symposium hosted by the International FOP Association. Among those was Carol Orzel. At 36, she saw Harry Eastlack's skeleton at the Mutter and made it clear that she wanted to, and I quote, hang next to Harry at the Mutter Museum. Carol was born in 1959 and, like Harry Eastlack, was diagnosed with FOP as a child. In 1982, nine years after Eastlack's death and departure, Orzel moved into Inglis House. Those who knew her say she was, quote-unquote, fierce, that she, quote, truly relished the spotlight. Indeed, all the photos of Carol Orzel show her done up in her finest, her hair, her makeup, impeccably dressed. She was an activist first. She spoke frequently to medical classes about her condition. Dr. Frederick Kaplan said this about Carol's outreach at her memorial service, quote, Carol was an advocate of medical education and played a seminal role in educating nearly three generations of medical students at the University of Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania, often meeting with them, lecturing to them during their genetics course, sharing her story on their very first day of medical school, and earning a standing ovation from more than 150 students in each class year after year. Carol Orzel died in 2018 at age 58, well surpassing the 40-year expectancy. Her wishes were granted, with all their stipulations. Her skeletal remains sit in a glass case beside Harry Eastlack, flanked by a selection of her fabulous costume jewelry. There is no cure for FOP. However, in 2019, three drugs reached clinical trials. We have Harry Eastlack and Carol Orzel to thank for getting FOP FOP research as far as it is. I could go on and on about the benefits of donating one's body towards scientific research, but I think it takes a very specific kind of person. Harry and Carol were those people. By all accounts, they were intelligent, well-rounded, vivacious, Not in spite of FOP, but alongside it. And that is fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva, or FOP, or stone man disease. Good job. Thanks. That's a good one. Yeah. And like I said, um, if you are familiar with the Mütter Museum, um, which obviously, Holly, you are. um, Yes. What are some of the, like, more famous, I know I listed a couple at the top of the the segment, but what are some of the more famous um, exhibits there that you remember? Um, The wax eyeballs that have all the different diseases. Mm -hmm. Um, The giant jar of gallstones or bladder stones. That's Mm -hmm. a fan favorite. Um, A fan favorite. I'm a fan. It's a favorite. (laughs) Um, The super colon. Super colon. 
the soap lady. Mm-hmm. Which there are two. There's a soap man too. Um, which that's a whole other situation. Ask a mortician did a saponification video. I don't need to. I don't need to talk about that. Um, but if you're familiar with imagery associated with the Muda Museum, um, that's not Changanang or um, the super colon. It's probably Harry Eastlack's skeleton, but it's a really beautiful shot. And I'll post it on the Instagram for this episode. It's a really beautiful shot from behind. So you can see the tendons and muscles in his neck and his shoulders. And those muscles have turned to bone. Which I think, it's a beautiful shot. It's, it's one of the more tastefully done. That's not a great way to say that. It, it's a really tastefully done um, medical photo. Mm-hmm. Um which I can always appreciate beautiful scientific photos. Um, But yeah, and the fact that Carol got to like hang out with Harry for the rest of her existence Mm -hmm. in some form. And I think the important part about that is she, even for Harry, making their wishes very, very, very clear of what they wanted to do. Right, so Harry, very luckily, he had a, an older sister, I believe. Yeah, his sister was older. Her name was Helen, or Helen. Um, there's an E at the end. And um, he made it very clear to her before he passed, like while he was bedridden and, and um, you know, sick with pneumonia, that this is what I want to do. I want all of my medical records donated. I want my body donated. I want to do my best to help as many people as I possibly can. And Carol was very vocal from like day one. Like she, Carol knew what she was about. Like top to bottom, front to back. Mm -hmm. She knew it. So that's, that's another thing. Again, ask a mortician. Caitlin Doty has that covered. Um, but I'm totally, I'm totally on board with her. Like, let people know what you want done. Make sure you have all of your ducks in a row, all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. Um, sooner rather than later. Because you never know what's going to happen at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I know what I want to have happen. I know exactly where I want to go. I know exactly what I want to have happen. It's just putting it on paper is, is the important part. Making yep. it a legal document. Um, I also know what I want to do with my physical form when it decides to finally go. Um, but, and I'm going to do a little side personal thing. Um, Ethan does not get along with death very well. Ethan does not have a very comfortable relationship with death. Right. Um, so talking to him about, hey, what do you want to have done has kind of opened up that conversation and made it more comfortable and I know a lot of people Oh, has it really because I know yeah. we've talked about this once before and um, he was just pretty shut down about it yeah um he's getting more comfortable with the idea um especially since his parents are older right um and like it's making him more comfortable and I know a lot of people a lot of people are not comfortable with the idea of death no, it's, it's absolutely terrifying. It's part of the human condition to be mm-hmm. number one to die, um, but to be uncomfortable with that because it is a. At the end of the day, it is a final thing, right? 
Um, yeah. Whatever, regardless of whatever your spiritual beliefs are um, or lack thereof are. Um, but yeah, having some sort of awareness um, is a is a big step for some people. Yeah. Um, so this is again where I plug Ask a Mortician and Caitlin mm-hmm. Doty's work, Order of the Good Death, um, because it's it's something important to me, you know. Yeah. Because there have been so many times where I, if if you asked me what our mother's plant like what wishes were, I'd have no idea what to tell you. Yeah. No clue. Our father, not a clue. I know what dads are, but. You know, like there are family members where, not for nothing, I will probably be the next of kin because mm-hmm. they have no children. Couldn't tell you. I have no idea. Do I want to go over business? Yeah, so I remembered halfway through recording that I'm holding on to a bit of business, like in my hand physically right now. Um, if I sounded any different this episode, it's because we were able to. By way of donations, Stephanie and Carlos, thank you. Um, by way of donations, we were able to purchase really like decent quality microphones. I'm not using my gaming headset mic right now. <laughs> I am. Um, you are. But that's because I have your your mic here. Um, yes. So it's got like a pop guard and everything. So I shouldn't I shouldn't pop the mic and and. It's got a little stand, so once I have a little bit more space, I can set this sucker up and hands-free. Um, but yeah, so thank you, Stephanie and Carlos, because it was your donations that made this upgrade way possible. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, furthermore, if you are curious how you can help support us, um, because I'm not going to give my personal PayPal out again. Um <laughs> A friendly reminder, we have a Patreon. So I kind of goofed last time I talked about the Patreon. You can't just search for us. I tried to. It doesn't really work. But if you're not following us on Instagram, you probably should. Because our link in bio is now a link tree. And the link tree has Anchor, which is our distributor. Um, Spotify, which is all, where all of our metrics come from. So if you're going to listen to us, we uh, really urge you to listen on either Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whenever Apple decides they want to pick us up, um, because that's where a lot of the metrics and the rankings and, and that sort of things come from. Um, and then the third one is for our Patreon. So friendly reminder, we have three, count them, three Patreon levels with the possibility of adding or adjusting. Um, so right now we have $5 a month. We'll, get, uh, we'll make you pygmy big feet. Um, which gets you a producer credit in every single episode's description. So I will go back and add it the last 22 episodes um, to include your name, um, and you will be there till the end of time or such cases you withdraw your donation or we stop making the podcast, whatever happens first. <laughs> um, for $10 a month, you are Fresno Nightcrawlers. So you get a producer credit. In every episode description from here to the end of eternity, um, till you withdraw your donation or until we stop making podcasts, whatever come first. And access to our scripts. So you will actually get to read our documents and see how things change because I change sentences as I read them pretty constantly. Um, I know there was one episode where we actually cut entire segments. Yeah. Remember that? Um, so that stuff is still in there. Who knows? We might actually go back and record that. Um, 
you'll get to see what stuff we you'll get to hear what stuff we added as opposed to um what we cut that sort of stuff so that's for ten dollars a month and for twenty dollars a month you are everyone's favorite flying cryptid mothman which gets you a producer credit in every episode from here to eternity you get access to all of our scripts and we will host a monthly ama um, which means we will probably get on video chat maybe um answer a bunch of your questions chit chat with you guys if that's something you're interested in um, so we may add a tier below the $5 a month. We may add something above $20. Really depends on you guys and, and what your interests are in, in supporting us, which podcasting is not inexpensive in the slightest. Nope. Um, and again, so the more outreach we have with you guys, the more um, the more different ads we can, we can run, because I'm sure you guys are... Not tired of hearing about Anchor, but that ad needs a little bit of a refresh. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and things might change. Like, I know we talked about last time Ethan doing, like, little postcard-sized drawings of listeners in the the UFO, which I think would be super cute. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something else we talked about yesterday. Uh... I don't remember what it was. I don't remember either. I don't either. Um, But yeah, so Patreon, it's in the link tree in our Instagram. I will also post another link to it in the episode description for this episode. Um, Because we want to engage with you guys. We know you're out there. I I look at our metrics and our listeners. Um, We can see you. We know you're there. We We know you're there. So yeah. Um. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so again if you feel so inclined support us on patreon um every little bit helps you can always email us which is at sisters strange podcast at yahoo.com um, that's sisters with an s at the end um you can check out our instagram which all of the images for this episode will be linked there sisters at sister strange podcast again sisters with an s um Friendly reminder, as long as technical issues hold out, we will be uploading every Friday. Um, And we will see you next week. See you later, guys. Bye. Business Maggot, out.